Welcome back to part three, our final podcast series on fishing. My name is Anthony Pasolacqua from Team LT, and I'm here with my colleague Juan from our IT department. For any of our listeners who haven't already listened to our previous episodes, in part one, we covered the basics of phishing. Episode two, we discussed the cost of data breaches, how to spot phishing emails, strong passwords, and much more. And in part three, we will discuss additional ways to protect yourself from phishing schemes. Juan, I think I remember you saying that there was something about backups. I think you had a really good quote. Do you remember what it is? I can't remember the top of my head, but I heard this from one of my professors that if you don't make backups, at some point, you're going to get hacked. Probably it's going to be today. Probably it's going to be tomorrow. It's going to be five years, 10 years. But if you do everything to lower that risk by creating backups, by training your users, by getting new equipment every four or five years, that's going to lower that risk. Because like I say, you don't know when it's going to happen, but I'm pretty sure it's going to happen soon. Or like I said, in a few years. Right now with this new environment, with this new technology, I mean, 2020 is crazy at this moment. I mean, a lot of people are working from home. Kids are doing classes online. So hackers, they know all that. So like I say, they could happen at any moment. One, I know one of the best ways for individuals to confirm identity, uh, a lot of the technology like you're talking about, it's getting so much better. Like we're seeing uh, fingerprint is one of the main ways that now we can log into our phones. We're also seeing facial recognition in a lot of new programs. So it's probably not too far away for a lot of our computer systems. But a really cost-effective way is actually something called a multi-step authentication. Uh, do you have any specific details on that? How does that work? Yeah, well, it's just like, uh, it's easier to, to say that two-step authentication. So pretty much is uh, an application that, that, that wants to confirm that you are the right person that is logging into a system. And I think most people, they have used this two-step authentication with, uh, to open your Gmail account. So let's say, for example, if I open my Gmail account in a computer that I never use, Mm-hmm. That that account, the Gmail account, is gonna shoot me a message on my cell phone because I have the two-step authentication set up on my cell phone, and that's gonna say, "Hey, somebody's trying to open your email in Austin, or if I'm in Kansas, uh, they're gonna, they're, somebody's trying to open your your account in Kansas." That happened to me before. Somebody was trying to open my account in, I believe it was Russia or Brazil, and I said, "No." That's not me because I'm in the United States. I'm not in Brazil or, or Russia. So I just click no. And then I don't know what happened with that guy, with the hacker or with the person that was trying to get into my Gmail account. But I think it's a really good idea to have some sort of a two-step authentication. Some of them are free, like, like I say, Gmail. But some of them, you have to pay a license for it. But I think it's a pretty good investment when you when you are paying for those licenses, because that way you know that the user, your boss, that CEO, it's logging in into a system, and they're gonna confirm that they are the right person. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and on a side note, 
those Gmail accounts, I have to tell you, um, when I was traveling across country, my wife was watching a uh, talk show, and they actually uh -huh. said that they could identify where you were at and where you were traveling if they could gain access to your Gmail and if it was connected to your phone. And she actually was able to tell me down to the street and city that I was in when I was traveling across country because all of that stuff was interlinked. So, you know, just surrendering your credentials for your email, that, that can actually cause a lot of problems, especially if uh, people start to use that account for password resets. Um, that's mm -hmm. a really easy way for them to see exactly what accounts you actually have. Why are updating patches so important for people or even doing updates to their software? Well, pretty much the updates and patches is, uh, let's say the, a specific company a software company, they found something that that wasn't working correctly, or it was doing something that it was not supposed to do. So that is why they do those patches. They do those updates to fix issues that the application might have. So for example, Windows, I think it's a great idea to keep it up with all the updates that you have available up there. So that way, you know, it's a little bit more secure. Uh, let's say the that you didn't run updates for three years, but you know that those updates are there and the hacker might say, well, you know, let me give it a try to break it into this computer because I know that this computer is not updated. They might be able to get into your computer, but if you run updates, there's going to fix backdoors, it's going to fix windows or uh, some applications they fixed by doing those patches it's going to be a little bit harder for hackers to get into it. Yeah, that makes sense. And I guess one of the big things for our listeners to know about is if you have individuals who are working from home that are using company computers and they have the ability to postpone updates, uh, you may want to look at potential software like that, that does like a total system inventory of what's going on behind scenes to make sure people are actually updating those security patches. Because one of the big things is, is once they find out what the issue is, they actually have to broadcast what the patch is fixing. All your hackers at that point now know that there's a vulnerability and they will absolutely try to expose that vulnerability to gain access. So it's kind of the cat and mouse game of the security versus yes. the hacker side. And, and I think sometimes people think the updates are pretty annoying, but I believe that they're good. It's They are there because they're fixing something. So if you want to look for updates every week on your computer, I think it's a great idea, even on your cell phone. Shutting it down and restarting it, that's also really good for your devices as well, right? Yeah, because some of the updates requires a boot up, a reboot, I'm sorry. And, you know, they're working on something and they don't want to do it because they have to get done something. But you have to kind of think, okay, it's worth it to wait, you know, days, months, and then run these updates. I think it's good to run them and then just keep working later on. So just some, some basic ways, too, from a risk management perspective on how to protect yourself from phishing attacks. A lot of this stuff actually starts before the attack. So administrative privileges is a huge technique. Um, you want to make sure that people do not have access to every server, every file that you have. One of the other things that you see a lot in organizations is siloing of servers. So instead of having one server for everything, they may have four or five different servers that are operating different components of the business. That way, if one of them's attacked, it doesn't completely handicap your business. 
Okay, Juan. So I think that covers quite a bit of fishing. And I know we've barely just touched the tip of the iceberg on this one. Uh, we could probably talk about this for at least another couple of hours. But do you oh, have yeah. do you have any uh, like one item that you want people to leave with? Uh, just just with the whole understanding fishing. I will say that pay attention to what you click. Also, you have to you have to kind of stop and and figure out if this is a legit email, if it's a legit link, compared to a database that you know that it's a legit user, it's a legit email. It's going to take more time. It's going to take more effort, but I think it's better. At the end of the day, it's going to be better. And also try to make sure that you create a good password. Please do not use Summer 2020 or some other password that everyone can find it in two seconds. Try yeah. to make and, pretty strong passwords. Yeah, and QWERTY, right? You know, don't walk across the keyboard is what they call yeah. it. That's another <laughs> yeah. one. So don't think that that hasn't already been thought of. It's one of the top 10, I believe, passwords that's used. I think the number one at some point was one, two, three, four, five, six. And I said that, uh, you know, with one of my uncles. It's like, what is the password? Really easy. One, two, three, four, five. It's like, oh, God. So, yeah, try <laughs> to make sure that you use a password that has different characters. Dollar sign, numbers, so many things that you can create that there's going to be harder for a hacker to get in. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you are a policyholder, please feel free to contact us with any questions by calling 1-800-580-8658 or check out our resources at tmlt.org and clicking on our resource hub.